Mama, what's a podcast? Well, it's when a group of men love their opinions very much. Welcome to Feminists Talk Religion, where feminist voice, religion talk, and honest conversation intersect. In this season, season three of Feminists Talk Religion, we are taking a break from our traditional format. This season, we will provide two mini-series about two topics we think are really important. Elise Ambrose is helping us think about art in the Feminism, Religion, and Art mini-series. Susan Wooliver is helping us think about mental health in her Feminism, Religion, and Mental Health mini-series. We hope you enjoy. I am Elise Ambrose. I am a Black queer ethicist, educator, and creative. Today's episode features Storé Michelle. Storé Michelle, they, she, is a Black queer, shape-shifting, non-binary femme, Afro-futurist performer, and storyteller. Their creative practice builds a present and embodied archive of Black femme futures and aliveness. Let's get started. I just want to express my excitement that you are with us today, Storé Michelle. Thank you. I'm grateful to be here. Let's begin with um, a question I like to ask folks in general when we begin these podcasts. What color are you feeling like today? Oh, you know, I love every color, almost equally. But Mm. today I'm feeling the first color that popped in my head is black. Black. It's absorbent, you know, like it absorbs all of the different colors. Mm -hmm. So. Well, I think that that's particularly appropriate for us today as we talk about your practice in Black Femme Freedom Making. This is your words that um, speak to your artistic practice. And I'm excited to ask you, uh, I know that I've seen within your work influence from uh, Sadia Hartman and Alexis Pauline Gums, major Black feminist figures. And I'm curious to know more about how your feminism, and particularly black feminism, has led to this this practice of yours of black femme freedom making. Or in other words, how does black feminism inform your practice in black femme freedom making? You know, I think that's a complicated question for me because I didn't necessarily come to black feminism by researching black feminism. Mm -hmm. I've kind of arrived at black feminism through my curiosity of black femme thoughts. And these are individuals that I don't know necessarily would um, call themselves feminists, like Zora Neale Hurston or uh, Maya Angelou or um, Eloise Greenfield. I'm not sure that they would call themselves feminists, but they had a particular point of view that was so drastically different from anything that I learned in school. Mm-hmm. And um, it was a point of view that was closer to mine. And I also grew up reading um, various um, writers, folklorists, storytellers who were black femmes. And um, what I realized that was so radically different from other writers was that they wrote about um, 
not only like things that they wished or dreamed for or of, um, but they wrote about like what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, that was um, in stark contrast with what society told us to do. And it was almost in a way of like, you know, what I'm going to do is, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it was with this fierceness and this sass and this attitude that um, I so wanted and I, you know, that word absorbent comes up for me again because I feel like I absorbed that because they made me feel like it was okay to have a different point of view mm-hmm. and it was okay to voice my opinions even when they weren't popular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you think of some, again, I guess she would be considered womanist, um, but when we think about Alice Walker and how she had... Um, you know, the color purple come out and so many people, um, especially black men, mm-hmm. um, resented the fact that she yeah. told this story mm-hmm. about this girl who was being abused. And um, she didn't care. She, she knew that this was an important story to tell. She knew that this was somebody's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what black femmes do. Now, and as it pertains to black feminism, I believe that that is a part of that um, trajectory of saying the unpopular thing, saying your perspective, saying and speaking into fruition what you want to happen, Mm -hmm. you know, and and telling the opposing point of view what you're not going to do is, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, And I I think that's kind of how I arrived at black feminism. Now, how that speaks to my work is that um, I believe that I tell stories that ne- don't necessarily make people comfortable. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my first um, film, The Listening Heart, I remember during my um, folk talk back, um, there was a person who was very concerned about the fact that I said that I wrote The Listening Heart as a children's um, book slash film and included a conversation about abuse, mm-hmm. um, domestic saying abuse. domestic abuse, mm-hmm. saying to this child that um, her grandmother was beat by the grandfather, mm-hmm. um, and that on both accounts, for the grandmother, the grandfather, there was an understanding that it wasn't love. Yes, that abuse is not inclusive of it, and um, this person was really upset. And was like, you know, I don't think that you had to talk about that. Hmm. Why did you think you need to talk about that with children? Mm -hmm. And that really came out of my experiences um, as a teacher for over 14 years, especially with younger children, where they can't differentiate what love is from a fairy tale book, from what happens at home Mm -hmm. and and what happens on the street that they see um, in terms of people being in abusive circumstances and staying in it, um, making do, you know, um, and nobody has those conversations of that's not love, honey, and it doesn't have to look like that. It shouldn't feel like that, you know, um, and in the story, The Listening Heart, I talk about, you know, loving someone from a distance, Um, and I, I felt like that was important, and I think that is a black feminist view, that there are a lot of people that well hurt you or have hurt us in our past and we have decisions to make. Do we want to keep that person in our life 
or is it important for us to separate? And it doesn't mean that the love is going to necessarily disappear overnight. It's a healing process, Mm -hmm. but it's also learning to love yourself more. And I think that black feminism and so many, you know, I think about Audre Lorde, so many black feminists talk about Mm self-care, you know, self-preservation, sleep, rest, Mm -hmm. you know, breaking these cycles that um, kind of uh, are incorporated and entrenched in capitalism um, and making our own systems of... uh, of aliveness, our own systems of uh, self-preservation and freedom making. For sure. I appreciate the courage, the uh, willingness to inhabit the uncomfortable, the desire for the wellness of communities that shows up in your work. You name the listening heart. And um, maybe we'll get to other pieces that you might have, but I want to circle back to a very important word that you named, and that is healing. I want to share some of your thoughts on healing with the listening public. I see uh, you've said that you think of healing as, quote, encountering and responding to the past, a process that is not necessarily a means to an end. Healing you perceive as change, as shedding, uh, leading to an opportunity to replenish. You talk about healing as growing new skin. I think that's a beautiful imagery and and a a lovely invitation, I think, to um, inhabit art, experience art in a fully embodied way, to be open to that experience, to, ex- to, to be healed or to begin healing, whatever that may mean. I mean using your framework, I think um, this opportunity to shed skin with others in, in a public as they experience your art. And that's scary, but also um, a radical invitation that I think a lot of people would be fortunate to encounter. Most recently, folks have been invited to experience intergenerational healing through your film, Mama Rose. Can you talk about the theme of healing as it shows up in Mama Rose and uh, how the characters, as well as the viewing public, is invited on this journey of healing? Yes. Um, Mama Rose is... um, it's roughly an autoethnographical um, script, and um, as I am performing as all five characters, mm. um, because this performance took place um, during uh, our pandemic, uh, COVID nineteen, um, I I really had to embody each of these characters um, that are lightly based on the relationships between my mother and my grandmother. My grandmother is going to be 97 years old next year, and um, I've spent most of my life being very close to her, Um, especially later in life when I became an adult and was able to have very real conversations with her. um, I began to ask her questions that... um, were a little uncomfortable for her because I asked her to tell me family secrets. 
Mm. I'm a dreamer. I have very vivid dreams. And I had dreams in the past that um, are based on the lives of my mother, my grandmother, and I believe other femmes that I've never heard of in Mm. my life. And um, one particular dream I had, I confronted my grandmother about it. And she said that she had a similar experience happen in real life. And I told her, I said, you have to tell me all the family secrets so I'm going to continue to dream about them. Mm-hmm. Obviously, somebody wants me to know these. And um, it took a while for her to reveal them to me. But once she did, I started to store them different ways. And one of the ways I started storing these stories is through my art. Mm-hmm. So Mama Rose is based on three generations. Um, Sid, a non-binary teen, um, their mother, Dolores, and their mother, um, a trans archaeologist named Mama Rose. And um, although the factors of the communication between Sid and Mama Rose are very different than my mother, I mean, my grandmother and I, um, Sid and Mama Rose communicate through VHS um, archives. Mm -hmm. Um, So it has that futurism um, ingrained in it. But um, it's, it's basically a communication between these two very different generations about familial stories. And I felt like it was really important for me to share some stories that were real to my family because I believe, as I spoke earlier about Alice Walker speaking the truth about things that make people uncomfortable, I believe that those are other people's stories too. Um, And so um, the healing aspect comes through understanding who you are through these familiar stories, but also the healing comes through for Sid Um, as it did myself in um, the artistic practice of creating this film um, between Sid and their mother and my mother and myself. Mm -hmm. Um, My mother really had a difficult time with understanding why I was so close to my grandmother when she had a different relationship with her. She had a very difficult time understanding who I was because I was so radically different from her as a black, queer, non-binary individual in a poly configuration, it just didn't make any sense to her. Um, Sid goes through similar things being a non-binary teen who's also queer. Um, The process of healing um, doesn't take place overnight. It's a process of learning how to communicate your truth, um, learning how to, hold sometimes many truths at one time um, and being willing and open to having that conversation um, and understanding that you're not always going to understand each other. Mm-hmm. Understanding that, um, you know, sometimes you're not going to agree on certain scenarios or memories. Um, sometimes it's going to hurt. Um, and so an understanding that healing is not a means to an end for me, it means that, um, I'm not going to wake up one day and just be cured and feel good about everything in my family history Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, wake up feeling revived. And some days I might feel like that, but it's, it's ebbs and flows. It sometimes right when I've, I've reached a point of understanding or 
um, or coming to terms with something, something else pops up, you know? Um, And so healing in that way invites us to be open to the fact that we're going to constantly be transformed by it. It's going to make us different. Um, I'm not the same person that I was before I created that film. You know, I've, I've radically changed my own views, um, my own boundaries with my mother, with my grandmother, with myself, you know, um, and I think that healing invites us to do that. To transform, to be, tr- be transformed and invite others into our transformation and celebrate with us. The way that Lucille Clifton says, Absolutely. come and celebrate with me. <laughs> Absolutely. And I know that we could talk about these things forever and ever. There's so much more that we can say. But I will just say, on behalf of the listening and the viewing public, thank you for having a listening heart and inviting others to be a part of that process by presenting your art, sharing your art with us. Thank you for somehow perceiving Mama Rose and bringing her to life and inviting us to also engage healing through that film. And thank you for what is to come, for investing yourself in the process of healing and inviting us to do it too. So thank you for the artist that you are, Story Michelle, and for being with us today. Thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Feminist Talk Religion. Thank you for listening to Feminist Talk Religion, a Feminist Studies and Religion Forum branch project. Feminist Studies and Religion works to center and connect feminists in religious studies through its various platforms, including a journal, books, blog, and forum. We appreciate your engagement with FSR's branches, especially with the forum's podcast, and would love your financial support. You can donate at www.fsrinc.org donate. That's www.fsrinc.org donate. We wish to express our thanks to all who have contributed to the Feminist Talk Religion podcast. Special appreciation goes to Oluwatumisin Oridane, Sarah Emanuel, Midori Hartman, and Susan Wooliver for their leadership and committee efforts. Thanks goes to Sydney Keplin for her editorial work, Thomas Lejoie and Scott Jackson for creating the music used for this podcast, and Kimmy Monty, Christy Cobb, and Owen Cobb for their creative work on the intro dialogue. Thanks also goes to the interns of Feminist Studies and Religion, Inc. for their work on promoting this project.